1: With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming.
2: And now joining us here on the Bearport podcast is Tyler Dunn of Go Long and the Go Long podcast as also as part of the Blue Wire podcast network. He's going to join us to talk a little bit about the Green Bay Packers, the Chicago Bears and uh other stuff in between. But uh, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us today, man.
3: Hey, the pleasure's all here. Thanks so much for having me on, fellas.
2: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um there's a couple things we want to talk to you about and um you know, the first one obviously is uh, the story you wrote earlier in the month uh, about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um, And it kind of, you know, caught all of our attention because, you know, we have a rooting interest for the Bears and the Packers are obviously the Bears rival, but what's going on in Green Bay is just fascinating for a couple of reasons. And, And one of the reasons I keep going to is because I feel like Green Bay has not been in like a quarterback hell at all. And here in Chicago, we've just been in quarterback hell for my entire life. So about 30 years. But writing this story, I mean, what kind of intrigued you the most about what's going on up there in Green Bay?
3: Whew. Man, that's a loaded question, because I think we're all <laughs> trying to figure that out. I mean, I, I, It would be really nice if Aaron Rodgers would just talk, right? Just just tell everybody, wh- why are you so upset? Um, you know, Brett Favre at least did it. He, he sat down with Greta Van Suster on Fox News <laughs> back in 2008 and was like, you know, just kind of put the Packers on blast. Everybody kind of knew where he stood and he wanted back in Aaron Rodgers wants out. I think that's probably what's most fascinating here is, you know, everything is pretty damn good in green Bay. They're willing to make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. They have arguably the most talented roster in the NFL. It's such a myth that they don't surround him with weapons. He's got weapons all over the place. Um, um, Play calling. He's, he's the play caller. I mean, there's two playbooks in green, Bay. there's Matt LaFleur's and there's Aaron Rodgers at the line of scrimmage. He, he has the freedom and the autonomy to kind of do whatever, the, whatever he wants. So it's kind of like strange from the outside looking in to be like, why are you so worried about Jordan love? Like you just want MVP. As long as you play anywhere near MVP level, you are the quarterback. You can force Brian Gutekunst, who you apparently despise to trade Jordan love as long as you play well. So it's, it's strange. I, I guess it is kind of on brand, though, for him. He, he's been pretty passive-aggressive um, you know, mo- most of his career. Uh, so, you know, he'll go out there in Hawaii, and the Taylor Swift videos will pop up, and he'll go on Jeopardy. We all kind of saw that. He'll try to use that as a little leverage. He'll pop on Kenny Mayne, and yeah, he'll uh, wear that I'm offended shirt after Mark Murphy's comments. So he's doing these little things. I, I, I guess it, it comes down to two things, right? He's either just trolling his employer, and he shows up and calls all of us in the media, fake news, and, and says it was one big smear campaign, screw them, I'm back, let's go, because he apparently does love his teammates, and they love him, or he's genuinely dug in, and this doesn't really have a resolution anytime soon, even though I am somebody who he did attack as, as in a spear smear campaign once upon a time. I know he can do that, you know, even... When things are absolutely true. I think it's the latter. I think he is genuinely dug in and can't get past the fact that they drafted Jordan Love can't get past whatever he's upset about with it being about the people and them going to corporate I, every, everything I've been told is that this is very, very real, and we should not hold our breath from the show up day one of training camp.
1: Well, I think it's been kind of interesting to see because you and uh, Rob Demvowsky, Demvowsky, why why I always have oh, Demvowsky, Domovsky. Yeah. There we go. Uh, have been very both very open in saying that you you guys don't think he's coming back. And if you kind of go back and you look at Aaron Rodgers as a whole throughout his career and just who he is, he has his convictions. I mean, that's something we've talked about on the podcast multiple times. I mean, it's not taking a shot. You know, to say, you know, the stuff with his family and the different stuff that has gone on over the years, like Aaron Rodgers is his own person. That's who he is. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just who it is. So it's kind of one of those situations where I know a lot of people like to compare it to other situations and other players, but I feel like Aaron Rodgers is just a very different person from most people. But I am kind of curious, just what exactly makes you feel like this is just more than a, you know, a publicity stunt, or this is just more than him basically showing up and calling everybody's bluff, or whatever it may be. And why do you think that Aaron Rodgers really is probably done in Green Bay, or it's trending that way? People
3: connected to the situation have just repeated that again and again and again. And I, I would think that Demoski myself, we probably have. Much different sources, and we're all kind of hearing the same thing. It's it's that it's very real, and he is very very upset about something. I mean, he's not going to come out and, and say it was the Jordan Love pick, but that's absolutely what it is. I mean, he he, he felt like he should he should be in total control, and, and there is a case to be made for that. That somebody um, that is Aaron Rodgers, a future Hall of Famer, at the top of his game still deserves to go out on his terms, but that just doesn't happen. I mean, it's always ugly for all of these guys at the end. And and this is just how the green Bay Packers do business. I think, you know, that way, way, way back to the early nineties, when when Ron Wolf kind of resurrected this thing, he made tough decisions. I mean, he traded a first round pick for Brett Favre. Everybody called him nuts. And then Ted Thompson takes over for Mike Sherman in between he rolls with Aaron Rodgers like when Brett Favre wanted back in and nobody in green Bay wanted him to do that. He made that tough decision, which is kind of ironic. I mean, if anybody should understand it, it's Aaron Rodgers. And then they fast forward to today and I get it. He was, they were 13 and three in, in 2019, but there were signs. I mean that Detroit game in week 17 was pretty ugly. He was really inaccurate. They get blown out in the NFC championship game. Rodgers doesn't play well and. Oh, by the way, in the second half, I was told, he told his head coach, hey, I'm just going to take over play calling here. So I'm sure there were a lot of little things. And Brian Gutekinds is the general manager is looking at this and said, well, you know what? We're always picking in the 20s. I don't want to get caught in that purgatory. I, I believe in Jordan Love's arm. I believe in his athleticism. He's got a shot to be special. I'll take him, develop him for a couple of years Aaron Rodgers, who's been suffered he has suffered some serious injuries as well on top of getting older on top of all those little signs. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. There is a lot of logic. The, the pick I think was sound for a franchise like Green Bay that isn't gonna get a shot at a top five quarterback to pick Jordan Love. But I just think that Aaron Rodgers cannot get past that. He can't get past it. He's stubborn, like you said, Aaron. Um, it's absolutely fair game to say if this is somebody that will cut out his family cut out his friends. What makes you think he's going to cut out Brian Gutekunst and just show up and work for the man? Like, I I don't think he is. I, I, I think that this is very real and I don't know how it ends guys, but I don't think he's there at training camp. I don't think he's there week one. I think he is a okay, just sitting out, letting this thing play out, losing millions of dollars because he's got millions upon millions of dollars.
2: That's incredible. I, I never thought we'd be in this situation um, with Aaron Rodgers just terrorizing the bears year after year. And, and now it's come to this and you mentioned, you know, he wants total control and the whole thing, the rumor kind of circulated around us is the Jordan love pick and all of that. Do you think things would be a lot different if the Packers, you know, came up to him and said, Hey, we're going to target Jordan love. Or do you think it would have been the exact same? He just did not want them to take a
3: quarterback. I love that question, and I love that talking point because, right, that's what you hear on ESPN. Everybody's so caught up in their feelings today. It kind of drives me insane, but, like, um, and and he is a quarterback that is very caught up in his feelings, but I get it. We're going to have that debate. Oh, they should have done this. They should have done that. If he just would have held his hand and brought him in to to the draft room and said, all right, buddy, we're going to do this. Here's a glass of scotch. No, it doesn't change a thing. If they draft Jordan Love, he's just pissed off today. As he would have been anyways, I can't see how, you know, giving him a heads up would help the situation and judging by uh, how he has tried to work the narrative this off season and, you know, using his surrogates and teammates and friends. Hell, who knows? I mean, this is me talking, just guessing, but does he, does he try to sabotage that pick if you give him a heads up ahead of time? I don't know. He's a different dude. So I, I think green Bay is just old school. The GM picks the players, the coaches coach the players, the players play, and Aaron Rodgers absolutely despises that model.
1: Well, and, you know, to kind of wrap up, at least, you know, with, with the Aaron Rodgers stuff here, what, what do you think? Because that's the thing is I've been kind of running this through in my head over and over, and it, it feels like we're on the same page, at least in terms of Aaron Rodgers is who he is. This isn't a guy that's just going to randomly cave and randomly show up and act like nothing happened, or at least that's, you know, what I seem to, seem to think, but... What can fix the situation? That is what I've been struggling with the most. It's one of those things where you can see him sitting out. You can see the Packers finally caving in, whether it's in preseason, the regular season, and trading him. What I can't see is how this resolves itself to where Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays this year. Because I think we all kind of assume at this point, even if he does somehow magically come back and play this year, this is probably his last year in Green Bay. I, I think everybody would have to assume at this point. So how do you fix this if that is part of the problem as is?
3: I think Green Bay's hope is that he loves his teammates so much. I mean, I don't, I don't think him and Matt LaFleur have as hunky Dory of a relationship as everybody thinks. I think that it's he more so tolerates his head coach is what one player told me, but I, I think he likes his coaches, especially Nathaniel Hackett, the OC, they're really, really tight. I think he likes the fans. I mean, he cares deeply about his legacy. He knows what it means to go down in history Uh, in in the history of the Green Bay Packers and all of that. But I don't know. I I guess the Packers are banking on that. I I just don't think it's going to matter much. And I don't really think there's anything they can do. I mean, short short of firing the general manager, what resolution is there? I mean, they're willing to pay him more than any quarterback. Um, I, I think maybe one resolution could be that they lock him in for three years and there's no wiggle room for them to get out of that contract for three years. Maybe that's it. But Gudikins isn't going to do that. Like, he isn't going to admit defeat on Jordan Love this soon, nor should he. So that's not going to happen. Man, I don't know. <laughs> that's what makes it so fascinating. They're, they're at this stalemate nobody's really budging. Nobody's blinking. You got the president calling. him a complicated fella quoting Ted Thompson. You've, you've got the quarterback wearing the I'm offended shirt and saying how amazing it's been to have zero responsibilities this off it's, it's, I just don't think it's going to end anytime soon. And if I'm the green Bay Packers and this is what I wrote at go long. I mean, why not be decisive here? Why not just go on the offensive and, and look in the mirror and realize what you're dealing with? Like this is a quarterback. Who has a personality unlike any other? He is serious. This is not a joke. He is not bluffing. He's willing to sit out games. Are you really, really willing to, to let this ride out? Are you really willing to let this go into the season? Just trade him. You know, Denver and Vegas for sure, maybe even Miami, I think, will will give you basically whatever you want. Um, his value is is as high as it's ever gonna be. I know the timing's odd. But take your two or three first, your two or three seconds, your two or three starters and, and move on. Have some dignity as a franchise instead of fawning over him and begging and pleading him to come back. Because at some point, the players are going to see all that and be like, what the hell? What, what, what the hell are we doing here? Do, do we have a team? Do we have a season? Or are we just begging the quarterback to come back? That, that point could come eventually.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. you need indeed.
2: Switching over to the Bears here, you had some tidbits in this offseason that kind of caught a lot of Bears fans' attention, and, you know, the Bears were rumored in for Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. How close, and when you say, you know, a package that, you know, maybe wasn't, um, you know, as good as other teams could make. How close and what type of package were we looking at here? If the bears were to make a move for Deshaun Watson before, you know, kind of everything came out and even Russell Wilson.
3: Yeah. It starts there with Deshaun Watson for for sure. You know, this is pre allegations and all of that, which, which obviously changed the plans of a lot of teams, including Chicago. Um, I I think they would have given up anything really. I mean, short of Cleo Mack, I think that Ryan pace and man, they they know that their asses are on the line and, they're willing to do whatever it takes to find a franchise quarterback, and that—that's why I kind of pursued that story and tried to talk to as many people as I could. Because you've got this offseason of quarterback empowerment, and these quarterbacks trying to manifest their own destinies. You've got a team in desperation mode. Everybody kind of lucky to keep their jobs, and, and realizing that, and doing everything to find a quarterback. How is that going to play out? It started with Watson. I don't know what offers were really on the table, if anything, because Houston. I mean, they weren't listening. They weren't even engaging with teams. But what I was told is, yeah, they they
1: really, really wanted Deshaun Watson early on. It started there. Well, it's kind of interesting that you say that because I I feel like a lot of Bears fans obviously knew the pursuit of Carson Wentz and, you know, then obviously Russell Wilson. Another one that I thought was kind of interesting that, you know, I had in my notes here that you would mention as well was Ben Roethlisberger. What? <laughs> why? Why? Just why? I, I don't... I just I, – th- that's the one where I'm like, you know, Carson Wentz is like, okay, the guy's still somewhat young. You know, he's maybe some untapped potential. Maybe you can get him back to that, you know, the 2017, 2018 type situation. But then, you know, you look at a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, which, I mean, if you're talking about Deshaun Watson with some of his allegations, I mean, the whole Roethlisberger thing has been out there for quite a while, and obviously that was a while ago. But why Roethlisberger? That doesn't seem – And obviously not doubting your sources at all, but that just doesn't seem like the type of character move that the bears would make. And especially in the situation that they're at.
3: Trust me, my eyebrows raised too. I mean, that was a name I didn't see. Coming. I think, I I think more than anything, Ryan Pace was willing to just literally explore every opportunity, every possibility, every quarterback who could become available. And if you remember Pittsburgh, they, they kind of let, that whole thing drag on a little bit they didn't commit to Ben Roethlisberger right away it was got a little dicey there for for a little bit and they basically did the opposite of what Brian Gutekunst and Green Bay want to do they they're they're gonna let Roethlisberger play out the string apparently at at least this season when they could have moved on I it it was somebody um fairly close very close uh to that whole dynamic and He basically said that if Ben Roethlisberger didn't stick around with Pittsburgh, that Chicago would have been in play there. So I, I guess you take it for what it's worth. I think that all these teams that need a quarterback would be stupid to not explore everything. And I don't know for a fact that they just called up the Packers and said, Hey, is Aaron Rodgers available? I think the way I wrote it and what I heard was like that even that would have been a possibility, even, Something as crazy as that, where of course, free base never going to trade the Baron Rodgers, they would at least consider it because they were considering everything.
2: And you talked about it being kind of a wild offseason in terms of quarterbacks, and the Bears actually ended up with one of my top quarterbacks in the draft, in Justin Fields. How the heck did that all happen? And were you surprised that Fields, you know, was there at 11 and the Bears actually moved up? Um, and kind of what are your thoughts on the Fields pick overall?
3: No doubt. And I, I guess I kind of skimmed past the quarterback that Chicago really thought it'd get. And th- that was Russell Wilson. So r- real quick, I mean, they yeah, they, they, they thought that Seattle was willing to part with him. John Schneider, from what I was told, is done with Russell Wilson. Like he, he was ready to move on, ready to start over. It's kind of fed up with different things behind the scenes. And, and Pete Carroll wasn't willing to go there. Pete Carroll's the oldest head coach in, in the National Football League. Doesn't want that on his resume is you know being the guy who traded russell wilson as i'm sure everybody in green bay they don't want that on their resume that there's something there and so they all figured all right let's just sing kumbaya go for it one more year russell wilson doesn't want to hurt his brand and take it to the extreme aaron rogers is so th- that trade never happens but uh, the bears side of things i think they were really optimistic something would happen there and it didn't and they were pretty surprised that it didn't uh So, yeah, to to fast forward, it's like, okay, well, you you, you swung and missed on all these big names. It didn't happen. They settled with Andy Dalton and put out the tweet, QB1. And I think we all kind of laughed at it. You know, Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton. He's not terrible, but, you know, he's not necessarily going to win you a Super Bowl. But I think there was maybe just a silver lining in, in it all where bringing him in could at least help you on draft day move up. if you're going in a draft day with Nick Foles, who couldn't really get the ball past the 50-yard line most of the season, I mean, teams are going to take you to the woodshed. And they're going to say, oh, you want to move up to this pick? Well, here's what we want. And you basically have to give them whatever they say, because God knows you're not going into the season with Nick Foles as your starter. So I think Dalton really did help them on draft day move up and to get Justin Fields without, I mean, they gave up a lot, obviously, but not what it could have, could have been. And Chicago absolutely knew they had to move up and get somebody there. So it worked out in the end. Maybe that was the best case scenario. You, bring in a dude who, I mean, hell, he, maybe he should have been the second overall pick. Maybe he should have been the first overall pick. I, I don't know. I'm not a scout. I'm not a mock drafter. I just watched Ohio state games. He did everything. He was unbelievable. I mean, he that Clemson game when he gets a snot beat out of him like that to come back and throw six touchdowns. I mean, I'd want I'd want to go into war with him any any day. So uh, I think Chicago made out really, really well through the quarterback craziness.
1: Well, and before we move on to the Eric Kramer thing, which I got a question there, I'm just kind of curious from from what you had heard, because there's something that's kind of been floating around and it, it floated around about the time that Seattle finally shot this down and said no. But it sounded like the Bears had actually the Bears in Seattle have actually agreed to a deal and Pete Carroll was the one that ultimately Nixon said, yeah, this isn't happening. And then from there, the Bears basically had a transition onto to uh, Andy Dalton. Did you hear anything similar to that? Because like I said, that's kind of what's been floating around lately. I couldn't lock in exactly what that deal
3: was and, and how, how close it was to going through all I know is that Chicago was really optimistic. They would get Russell Wilson because Yes. The GM out there in Seattle, he was willing to move on. He was willing to trade Russell Wilson, the head coach who eh, he was there before Snyder. I believe he's got maybe a little bit more power. It's an interesting dynamic. He nixed it. He didn't want to go that far. Everybody stays in Seattle. That, that absolutely is the case. And it definitely surprised Chicago because I I think short of Cleo Mack, they, they probably would have parted with pretty much whatever Seattle wanted to get him in there. And Russell Wilson wanted to be in
1: Chicago. Yeah that would have been I I think for a lot of Bears fans that would have probably been the number one thing I kind of look at it and obviously we have to see how Justin Fields pans out because obviously if he's not good then yeah it didn't work out for them but you know where the Bears roster's at at least in my opinion and where their cap situation's at this year and kind of next year it's like adding Russell Wilson is great and he's a great quarterback but when you don't have all the pieces around it you know it doesn't really make a ton of difference but Kind of moving on to our, our last little thing that we wanted to talk about with you was the Eric Kramer story, and man, that was that was man, that was tough. That was that was a tough read, uh, you know, for people who've kind of you know followed me over the years on Twitter and and you know stuff like that. It's like you know I, I think a lot of us uh, have have battled with some level of depression over your over your life, you know, and. And to read uh, just just what you had to say, and that's the thing that I love about everything that you've ever done, even with Bleacher Report, is you're such a fantastic storyteller. It's like you can sit there, and it may be a 20 25-minute article, but you can just sit there and, and, and enjoy it, regardless of what the story is, and really feel like somehow you just watched a movie, like you were a part of the story. But I'm just kind of curious... How did this all come about? I mean, how did you know how did you kind of get into this with Eric Kramer? How did he open up? Like how did this whole thing come about? I mean, this is a you know, we've heard stories, but we haven't heard this story, if that makes any sense.
3: Man, I really appreciate that, Aaron. Thanks for saying that. Um I, I think it started back when I launched Go Long, it, it was late November, and I, I just kind of went through my phone and was reaching out to anybody I could, you know, just to check in. I don't really know where there's a story, where where there isn't a story. And I had talked to Eric Kramer back when I covered the Packers at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I want to say, it might've been the first year I was on the beat like 2011. I don't know. Maybe the story was about the pain threshold for quarterbacks in football because the year before, remember Jay Cutler in the NFC championship game, that was kind of a debate. And I think I was, I don't know, maybe using that as a hook into a Packers bears, rematch story or something but we I just remember having a great, great conversation with with him back then I mean that was almost a decade ago and we're texting and he remembered it I, could, I couldn't believe he remembered us talking and he said hey you know actually your timing is really really good because I have a lot to say <laughs> I, I had no idea um I shouldn't chuckle because it's it's not a funny matter but man I had no idea what he had been through since the, the suicide attempt, which, you know, there were some phenomenal stories written about that. Dave Burkett, um, Dan Pompey did one at Bleach Report when he was my coworker, just unbelievably open about his depression and, and t- trying to take his own life. But I think back then when we're reading these stories and we're watching that piece at Outside the Lines, we're thinking that this dude is in the clear, like it's all good now. He, he sounded good. I mean, and, and said there were no mental issues, physical issues and You know, I, I thought that it was kind of case goals. I was more so reaching out just to maybe talk football and lo and behold um, the real story. There's everything that's happened since then. And in his words, $700,000 being stolen from him through the sham marriage to Courtney Baird through the legal system. And I mean, there's obviously a lot of layers to this and it it was difficult to unpack, but we, we talked on a zoom, um, you know, months ago for, I don't know, two, two and a half hours. Then, Last week we talked for another hour and a half. Today we actually caught up for the hell of it on the phone for another hour. He's just a phenomenal storyteller with a phenomenal memory now because 5 years since that suicide attempt his his brain is back. I mean it is he's back to being himself and he can kind of pinpoint and recall everything. Um and it's it's sad for for so many reasons. It's it's definitely a dark sad story. I mean it's I get it but I think I think that the takeaway here is he he—he was able to get to the other side. Like he's good now and he, he wants to help future, not just football players, anybody who could be abused by anybody financially by the legal system, because he knows he, he can live to tell about it.
2: It's a great story, and I recommend everyone go check it out. Um, and Kramer, for me, he's one of the more underappreciated Bears quarterbacks of all time. And you might have answered this in the last question, but I'm, I'm going to ask it anyway. Was there kind of a moment that stood out to you when you're talking to him? Maybe something you didn't know, um, something maybe kind of made you go, oh, wow, or anything he shared
3: like that? Man, um, there's a definitely a lot of those moments because it just – it just gets worse and worse and worse, you know, after the worst possible thing could happen to you. I mean, putting a a gun to your chin and then survive. It it only got worse from that point from, you know, this woman coming back into his life. And, and this is obviously all Kramer's side of the story. I, I reached out to her representation. They didn't want to talk, but I mean, for, for somebody to diabolically take advantage of you when you're in, the, this mental state, as Derek said, you know, he had the brain of a six-year-old. If anybody just said anything to him, it was yes. You know, he just would agree to whatever he said and he, he couldn't really process risk to any degree. For somebody to take advantage of that um, to, to this extreme from, you know, uh, getting close to him and, and, and flying out to the Vegas facility to drive him back and just showing up at his house and then staying over at his house and then realizing that there's this criminal investigation into her spending and to her abuse of his money and then coercing him into a marriage because that would put the criminal investigation the rest it was she was constantly one or two steps ahead the entire way it, you just feel for eric kramer it's like and he didn't know to answer your question i guess what stood out most was he didn't know any of this was going on so you know his friends his family anna durgan who's just the real superhero in this all high school friend of his they're fighting fighting and fighting for him this whole time because Eric Kramer doesn't know. And, and there were points when he thought that Anna was against him and his own son and his sister. And he thought all these people were against him when they were trying to help him. It's, it's unbelievable. And and thank God his, his brain for the lack of a better term, just, just turned on. And he came out of that metaphorical coma because um, if he didn't, who knows he's still losing money and he's still not knowing why and and what's happening around him. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out in the real world. That's the case. And that's the scary part about conservatorship, that you need people in your life that you trust that can look after your finances and look after your well-being.
1: Well, I think we've, to a certain extent, at least, we've kind of seen similar go on with the Britney Spears saga, where you think you can trust somebody even as close as a spouse or, you know, a family member, your parent. And, you know, here, here you are in a, in a very, very different situation. And I don't know if Zach has anything else for you, but honestly, man, you know, the, the one thing I want to say is just, you know, for anybody listening to the podcast again, uh, go long. I mean, subscribe to it. It's an awesome thing. Uh, if you're looking for a little taste, is to exactly what uh, Tyler offers here. I mean, he's he's been fantastic. Like I said, he's been on the Bleacher Report. I've read a lot of his stuff in the past, but he does have that Eric Kramer article right now, where it's open, where you can go and there's three different parts to this thing, and go and read it and really get an idea of of what you're subscribing to because it's absolutely fantastic stuff. And you know, like I said, I really appreciate it. I don't know if Zach has anything else for you, but you also got the podcast. You had Owen Crutes on. I mean, who doesn't love Owen Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, he, he's the
3: best, isn't he? I mean, th- thanks so much for, for, for saying that, Eric. He, he was great. I mean, what a storyteller.
2: Yeah, Olin, Olin's a great guy. He's always on the radio here in Chicago, and he just has not only fantastic stories, but his analysis of things really makes you, like, get, gets you into that football side of things. and It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, I, I don't have any other questions. I was going to say, if you want to plug anything, feel free. Um, any Anything you want to uh, shout out or showcase or anything like that?
3: Absolutely. Um, I mean, that was, Hey, I should, I should put you guys on the payroll. That was good enough. <laughs> so th- thank you so much for supporting, and subscribing and, and reading. And, you know, in addition to the the features and the profiles, um, something cool that I try to do here are those happy hours every Friday. So, you know, the only Crews happy hour I made as an episode on our podcast. So if you go to the podcast, you can download it and get a sense for what we do every Friday night, just for subscribers where Um, You know, you you have a chance to throw back some beers with current players, former players. I mean, we've had Richie Incognito on, which wasn't able to share that one because it got a little crazy. As you can expect, it was a wild, wild ride with Richie. Um, Andy Janovich, Vince Williams, Alan Robinson, uh, Steve Tasker, Ryan Leaf. We've had a lot of guys on. Peter King came on a couple weeks ago, Frank Winters this past week. So I just think that's a good opportunity for fans to kind of, hang out with you know some of their favorite players from around the league actually I only had Olin Krutz on because a Bears fan uh Chad Vonk I believe on on Twitter he subscribed and said hey any chance you can get Olin on he's he's awesome on the radio out here and so Olin did it right away and it was great so I want it to be a community and you know tell me who you want to hang out with and we'll make it happen.
2: It's fantastic. It's a great idea too. I really haven't seen much like it on the internet, especially in the NFL world um, where, where you get that insight from, you know, former players or even beat writers like Pete King as well. So it, it's just fantastic.
3: Oh man. Th- thank you so much for saying that. And it's a lot of fun, man. I, it, I wake up every day, just so jacked up for, for go long and, uh, the, the, the readers, the fans, everybody's been phenomenal. It's been great to see a lot of Bears fans kind of join the community. So thank you to everybody out there.
2: No problem. Uh, what can everyone follow you on Twitter at, Tyler?
3: Uh, yep, just uh, at TyDunn, D-U-N-N-E.
2: Perfect. Uh, really appreciate you having you on, man. We'll have to do it again sometime soon.
3: Hey, just say the word. This is a lot of fun. Appreciate you guys. Did
0: you know that
3: most vitamin D3
0: supplements come
3: from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual.